Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. I don't remember much. <laughs> That's almost 15 years ago now. But, but now you're really, really turning my heart screws here. You know, contemplated, you know, stopping wrestling because I was so frustrated because I wanted to do so much better than what I was doing. Oh, that is a tough one. That one is a tough one. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even really think about that match that much. I, I try not to. You know, I was just thinking, oh, here we go again. You know, my, my body is, is, uh, is giving out on me. And mentally, I was, I was in a sort of a dark place. I don't know if I ever regained my focus in my competitive years again after that. Up to the point where I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get there. You know, I couldn't find a rhythm in a tournament. My first two years, I, I had uh, a lot of injury. And I think that mentally led to a lot of doubt. It's true. It's like if I could do it again, I, I wouldn't have done it any different. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of, it's just how, the, how things play out. I'm not sure if I should be honored to be on that list or not. Welcome to episode 10 of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Earl Smith. This is going to be the last of my NCAA-related episodes. Recently, I had a conference championship wrap-up, an NCAA preview, and this, an NCAA wrap-up. Next week, it'll be back to having a great guest of the recent past on. Getting right into it, first things first, in wrestling and sports in general, lots of time the hype surrounding an event is bigger than the actual competition itself. We see it fairly often in the Super Bowl. We talk about this game for two weeks straight, and then it's a blowout. In wrestling, some of the most anticipated matches came in recent years when Kyle Dake met David Taylor. I was there Matt side for their first meeting at American University in the All-Star match. The aura surrounding the event was immense. The match itself wasn't that good. Both guys are very tentative. It wasn't a very memorable match. Now, I don't need it to be 14 to 12 for me to call it an exciting match. As we saw at the Big Ten Finals this year with Isaiah Martinez and Jason Nolf, you can get an awesome match without points being scored. But what I'm trying to say is there is so much debate and hoopla surrounding the heavyweight bout between Nick Gwizdowski and Kyle Snyder. I was even starting to doubt whether or not the action could justify the hype. Well, it did, and then some. Hats off to both of these guys. They both laid it on the line, went balls to the wall, did heavyweights all over proud, as well as wrestling in general. As I said earlier in these big matches, especially with heavyweights involved, it's not uncommon to see guys scared to make mistakes, scared to let it fly, and as a result, you get a 3-2 to two match deciding tiebreakers with no takedowns being scored. This obviously wasn't the case between Snyder and Gwiz, and you had an instant classic. While you're talking about matches that were much anticipated, the 157-pound bout between the aforementioned Martinez and Nolf has to be included. These two also threw caution to win, gave us another classic match. After watching the first two matches between the pair, you kind of expected it, 
but you never know when it's the NCAA finals, people can get tentative. Brings me to another point. Why do we have to stick to the normal order of the matches? I applaud the NCAA, ESPN, whoever agreed to let Kyle Dake and David Taylor wrestle last at the end of the 2013 NCAA finals. And ever since then, we've got a good match, on paper at least, scheduled for the end. So if we're doing this, why, why even keep the normal order? How much fireworks would there have been if 157 was a ninth bout and 285 was a closer? Keep the big matchups and relevant team score related matches for last. 184, 141, 197 all could have been the first three matches. No particular order. And even 165, I, I could see why you'd want that later for the historical significance of Alex Deering winning his third title. Alright, rants and stuff like that, not my normal style. So I'm going to get into the normal types of things that I like to focus on. First of all, congratulations to Penn State. They captured their fifth title in six seasons. Their 25.5 point margin of victory is the largest since the Nittany Lions won their 2012 NCAA title 143 to 117.5 over Minnesota. With national titles by Nico Megalutis and Zane Rutherford, Penn State extended their streak of having at least one NCAA champion every year since 2011. It is currently the longest streak in D1 wrestling. Under Cale Sanderson, the Lions have had seven different wrestlers capture 11 NCAA titles. They have also sent 11 different wrestlers to 22 NCAA finals. With Nico Megalutis' NCAA championship, he avoided consideration for an updated list of sudden history's top non-NCAA champions of the 2000s. I listened to a couple other wrestling-related podcasts. One of them is the T-Row and Funky Show with Tommy Rollins and Ben Askren. I think it was sometime in February they were discussing the best non-NCAA champions, and I text Ben that if Nico Megalutis made the finals and lost, his NCAA finishes would total the lowest number ever for four-time All-Americans that never won a title. At the time, he had second, second, third, which adds up to seven. Currently, Jerry Abbas is the lowest with four, two, 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 which equals ten. Another seven, or another second would have been nine, lower than the ten. Thankfully, for Nico's sake, it's not a discussion that needs to be brought up. Also, Ben was confused and couldn't remember who gave him that info. Move along to an appreciation for Alex Deeringer. He has earned a spot amongst the legends of Oklahoma State wrestling. He became the first three-time NCAA champion for the Cowboys since Jake Rochalt, who finished his career in 2006. Alex's career record stands at 133-4, and and he ended his career on an 82-match winning streak. His last career loss came at the hands of Derek St. John on the 10th of January 2014. It's also hard to believe that one of those four career losses came to Penn State's James Volrath in the Southern Scuffle semifinals his freshman season, 2-1 in the tiebreaker. When Deeringer won his 
title at 165 pounds, it marked the seventh consecutive season that a 165-pounder has won the title and finished the year undefeated. He has two titles at 165. Before that, David Taylor, 2014. Kyle Dake, 2013. David Taylor again in 2012. Jordan Burroughs in 2011. And Andrew Howe in 2010. Miles Martin's NCAA championship was the first by a true freshman since Jaden Cox in 2013. It is also the first by a wrestler who was slated to redshirt, then brought out of the redshirt mid-season since Tion Ware in 2003. Ware's first official match for Oklahoma was the 2nd of January 2003. Martin was brought out at about the same time, wrestling in his first duel against Illinois on the 3rd of January in this season. In more freshman NCAA champion-related facts... Since 1995, only one school has produced more than one freshman NCAA champion, and that's Ohio State, which has three. I don't think they're too hard to think of. Martin, Nathan Tomasello, and Logan Stieber. And some sort of uh, silly stat with Martin's title at 174 pounds. It's the sixth consecutive season where the 174-pound champion has come from a school with state in the title, starting with John Reeder of Iowa State in 2011, then Ed Ruth of Penn State 2012, Chris Perry of Oklahoma State in 2013 and 14, then Matt Brown of Penn State last season. Even if Martin would have lost his opponent, Bo Nickel of Penn State would have been able to continue this trend. Kyle Snyder's NCAA title run started as the two-seed, since 2001, every 285-pounder that's won an NCAA title has been the one or two seed. In 2001, it was won by the four seed, John Lockhart of Illinois. Here is the Virginia Tech portion of the show, because they have a lot to talk about. The Hokies' fourth-place finish was the best in program history. It's also the highest placement by an ACC team ever. The previous was a fifth-place finish by North Carolina in 1982. I told Virginia Tech's Kevin Humbert I would mention how long of a road it has been for the Hokies. This refers to Dresser's first season where they scored one point at Nationals, but it also refers to an ill-fated 18-hour 12-passenger van ride to Omaha, all done by Humbert himself. If you don't know him, he is Coach Kevin Dresser's do-everything man. I don't know if that's his exact title, but that's generally what he has done for Dresser and the Hokies. Also, I could probably do an entire podcast about that van ride. We'll save that for another time, though. Also for Virginia Tech, Zach Erpoli lost to Penn's Casey Kent in the first round, then proceeded to make it all the way back to third place and actually beat Kent and the consolation finals. The last wrestler to lose in the first round and finish third while avenging, avenging his initial loss, Binghamton's Donnie Vincent in 2012. Vincent lost to Oklahoma's Nick Lester, who went on to finish eighth, and they met again after the blood round. Last year, two Virginia Tech Hokies had wins over both of the NCAA finalists in their respective weight class with Joey Dance, 
beating Nathan Tomasello and Zeke Moisey. Then Zach Epperly had beat Matt Brown and Tyler Wilps. I checked this year, did not happen at any weight class. The next note I have is courtesy of Virginia Tech associate head coach Tony Roby from his own career. Doesn't have anything to do with this past weekend. However, Roby knew that it was the kind of thing I would enjoy and wanted to share it. I actually put it out on Twitter yesterday. In 1995 at the NCAA tournament, Roby wrestled six matches and placed fifth. Five of his matches were against wrestlers who would go on to become NCAA champions. They were Barry Weldon of Iowa State, the 1997 NCAA champ at 177 pounds. Roby beat him 11-5. Dwight Gardner of Ohio, the 1996 NCAA champ at 158. Roby beat him 19-7. Daryl Weber of Iowa, 1996 NCAA champ at 167. Roby beat him twice, 9-4, and by a fall. He also knocked off and was knocked off in the semis 3-1 by the eventual champ, Ernest Benyon of Illinois, 3-1 in overtime. I still need to look into this further. I really haven't found a precedent for this. It could be out there. I don't know. It would have to come from a really stacked weight class, one where a portion of the talent is young enough to hang around to win NCAA titles, and then the wrestler himself has to be darn good enough to hang around and wrestle six matches. So, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there because I like it. Continuing on with the Hokies, 2014 Joey Dance became Virginia Tech's first freshman All-American. Zach Epperly followed suit in 2015, and in 2016, Solomon Shishko and David McFadden got onto the podium. The only other school that has had at least one freshman All-American in the past three seasons is Missouri's Daniel Lewis this season, Willie Miklas last year, Jaden Cox 2014. Both Virginia Tech and Iowa will be returning five of their 2016 All-Americans. Iowa's 0-3 in the NCAA Finals and has not had an NCAA champion since Tony Ramos in 2014. The last time the Hawkeyes went two years without an NCAA champ was the 2005 and 2006 seasons. One thing that helped knock the Hawkeyes out of the trophy race, their 1-7 record in matches Saturday morning. It also should be noted that in Sam Brooks's round of 12 match Friday night versus Dominic Abinader, the match was stopped while Brooks was possibly in the process of pinning Abinader. This led to a team point being taken away, so they potentially lost three points in that match and a team trophy. Iowa placed a wrestler in the finals for the fourth consecutive year at 133 pounds and sixth time in nine years. Their fifth place finish marked the first time that they would not receive a trophy since 2007, Tom Brand's first season when they finished in eighth place. Jaden Cox won his second NCAA title. He joins Ben Askren, who won titles in 2006 and 2007, as Mizzou's only multiple-time champs. Illinois' Isaiah Martinez became the school's second two-time champ, 
joining former teammate Jesse Delgado, who did so in 2013 and 14. North Carolina State concluded its record-breaking season with an 11th place finish. This was the highest in team history since they were 7th in the 1993 season. Michigan's Connor Utsi placed 5th after coming into the tournament unseeded. This is the second year in a row he placed top 6 after coming in without a seed. He joins an exclusive group of three wrestlers in the 2000s that placed twice after coming in unseeded. The most recent was Mario Stewart of Lehigh, who was 4th in 2004 and 5th in 2001. Mark Fee of Appalachian State, 7th in 2003, 5th in 2002. And finally, Kyle Hansen of Northern Iowa, who was 8th in both 2001 and 2002. Bryce Meredith of Wyoming became the school's first NCAA finalist since Reese Andy did so at 177 pounds in 1996. 2014 NCAA champion Jason Sertzis finished a rough season, losing prior to the round 12 and failing to All-American. It was the second consecutive season where a past national champion has not been able to AA. Last year was Illinois' Jesse Delgado. Rutgers had two All-Americans, Anthony Ashnault and Anthony Parati. The last time the team had two AAs in the same season, 1952. The only other multiple-time All-American in team history is also named Anthony. It's Anthony Siraj, who was 7th at 150 pounds in 1980 and 7th at 142 pounds in 1983. Edinburgh failed to have an All-American for the first time since the 1995-96 season. Stanford's Joey McKenna became the program's first freshman to achieve All-American honors. Kent State finished in 16th place with 28.5 points. It was their highest finish since the 1985 season. Ian Miller's 6th place finish made him the second three-time All-American in Kent State history, joining Dustin Kilgore. Northern Iowa's Dylan Peters was the Panthers' first multiple-time All-American since Musa Fay in the 2008-2009 season. Utah Valley's Jade Rouser was the second All-American in program history, joining Ben Carr, who finished fourth in 2011. The ACC Conference had 11 wrestlers earn All-American honors, which is the best in conference history. The previous high was 10, set just one year ago. Chad Walsh, the 15 seed from Ryder, finished 5th in the nation. He was the only All-American to come from the EWL. Wrestlers who, who joined the elite four-time All-American club this year. Nico Megalutis, Nashawn Garrett, Cody Brewer, Alex Dieringer, and Nick Wisdowski. For the fifth consecutive season and sixth out of seven years, a Big Ten wrestler won the title at 125 pounds. Anthony Robles broke this up by winning in 2011. Seven past All-Americans went 0-2 at this tournament. They are Eddie Clamara. Rossi Bruno, Evan Henderson, Dan Neth, 
Ethan Ramos, Brian Robuto, and Kenny Quartz. You also have Vic Avery, who was eliminated at the same time as these guys, but he won a consolation pigtail match. Another indication of how tough this tournament is, out of the 12 returning NCAA finalists from 2015, six of them did not make it back to the finals in 2016. 165 pounds was the only weight class where the one through four seeds all finished in that same order. 149 had one through three correct. No one else even had that. One of the storylines of the tournament was how the 174-pound bracket completely blew up. In the three years since the NCAA started seeding down to 16, there had never been a bracket featuring three unseeded wrestlers in the quarterfinals, which happened with this weight class when Jaden Bernstein, Matt Reed, and Leland Weatherspoon all made it. The closest thing I could find was from the 2014 season, when the bottom half of the 149-pound bracket went goofy. Their quarters consisted of number 14, Scott Sakaguchi of Oregon State, versus number 11, Josh Kindig of Oklahoma State, and number 10, Zach Nybert of Virginia Tech, versus number 15, Mitch Minotti of Lehigh. These were all 10 seeds or greater, but they were seeded. Now moving along to some coaching firsts. Casey Kent of Penn became the first All-American for coach Alex Tirapelli. Princeton's Brett Harner was the first All-American for Chris Ayers and the first for Princeton since Greg Parker in 2003. Matthew Miller of the Naval Academy became Joel Sherritt's first All-American as a head coach. Here's some state-related facts. David Terrell of American... The guy who became a crowd favorite was the first Hawaiian to All-American since Travis Lee, who won an NCAA championship for Cornell in 2005. Eric Montoya of Nebraska was the first New Mexico native to All-American since Oregon's Joey Bracamonte in 2006. T.J. Dudley became the first wrestler from South Carolina to make the NCAA finals since current Bucknell head coach Dan Wernsberger achieved the feat with Michigan State in 1995. Maryland's three All-Americans, Matthew Miller, Patrick Downey, and of course Kyle Snyder, are the state's most in the 2000s. Also, Kyle Snyder was the first Maryland native to win an NCAA title since Rico Ciparelli did so for Iowa in 1987. California had titles from Sean Garrett and Isaiah Martinez. The last time more than one wrestler from California won titles was in 2001 when Stephen Abbas, Adam Tirapelli, and Mark Munoz did so. Ohio's Dean Heil won a title for Oklahoma State. He extends a streak where an Ohio native has won at least one NCAA title per season dating back to 2011. It is the state with the longest current streak. Heil is also the first Ohio wrestler to win an NCAA title for the Cowboys since Alan Freed in 1994. The state of Michigan had six All-Americans, its highest number since 2008 when they had eight. 
the University of Minnesota continues to do the best job of any state at keeping its studs at home. The Golden Gophers, All-Americans, Brett Farr and Michael Krells are both in-state products. Since 2007, the state has produced 15 wrestlers who have earned All-American honors 32 times. Only four of them have left Minnesota. They were North Dakota State's Curtis Jolson and Hayden Zilmer, along with Wisconsin's Travis Rutt and Kyle Massey. Nebraska's Austin Wilson, also wrestling for Nebraska, was the state's first All-American since Craig Brester made the NCAA Finals in 2010. New Jersey, always one of the top wrestling states, so it's sort of surprising that Miles Martin's NCAA title is the first by a Jersey boy since Kellen Russell and Frank Molinero in 2012. Bo Nickel was the first NCAA finalist from Texas since Ben Heiser of Northern Illinois in 2004. You know, there has to be a Pennsylvania-related fact. The state was responsible for 12 All-Americans this season, which is 15% of them. This is actually the lowest number since 2011 when they only had 10. Finally, I'm going to wrap up by introducing something I have written about in the past on the D1CW website. It's an idea I came up with called Freshman All-Stars. I think it's the best catch-all to include all of the impact freshmen from a particular year. Freshman All-Stars consist of All-Americans, of course. Why not? Guys who made it to the round of 12. Why? Let's consider Ohio State's Micah Jordan. He was the champion of Las Vegas, third in the Big Ten, and entered Nationals as the sixth seed. However, with a few upsets, he finishes in the round of 12. Are you trying to tell me that he wasn't one of the best freshmen of this season? Maybe not the best, but he deserves to be mentioned. And then finally, wrestlers who earned a top 12 seed at Nationals. I say top 12 because... When I came up with this concept, only 12 wrestlers were seeded. 16 seems to be too much for the intents and purposes of this. Why the seeded guys? Glad you asked. Let's think back to 2007. Max Askren of Missouri earned the number one seed after finishing the regular season with only one loss, then proceeded to go to and out at Nationals. That season he had won Las Vegas, as well as the Southern Scuffle. He was one of the top freshmen of 2007 for the entire season, minus one day. So if you include All-Americans who might not be as consistent, you have to mention guys like this as well. So, without any further explanation, here are the freshman All-Stars of 2015-2016. NCAA third place, Joey McKenna of Stanford. NCAA 6th place, Solomon Shishko of Virginia Tech. NCAA round of 12 finisher, Seth Gross of South Dakota State. Number 6 seed, Micah Jordan, Ohio State. Number 11 seed, Tommy Thorne of Minnesota. NCAA 7th place, Justin Oliver, Central Michigan. NCAA round of 12 finisher, Patricio Lugo of Edinburgh. NCAA runner-up, Jason Nolf of Penn State. NCAA 7th place, JoJo Smith, Oklahoma State. 
NCAA round of 12 finisher Tyler Berger of Nebraska. NCAA fourth place Daniel Lewis of Missouri. NCAA sixth place David McFadden of Virginia Tech. NCAA champion Miles Martin of Ohio State. NCAA runner-up Bo Nickel of Penn State. NCAA round of 12 finisher Chandler Rogers of Oklahoma State. NCAA round of 12 finisher Zach Zavatsky of Virginia Tech. NCAA round of 12 finisher Preston Weigel of Oklahoma State. NCAA round of 12 finisher Tanner Hall of Arizona State. And finally, the number 11 seed Stam Stoll of Iowa. Now, this is not going to catch every potential superstar. And at the same time, some of these guys may not develop into stars themselves. After thinking up this concept in the 2011-2012 season, I went back to see who would have been called a freshman all-star in prior years. These following guys would not have made the cut based on their freshman year and my criteria. They are Jordan Burroughs, Kendrick Maple, Bubba Jenkins, Brent Metcalf, Jay Borschel, Franklin Gomez, Jay Jaggers, Jared King, Mark Ellis, and Jordan Lean. Alright, that is all we could possibly talk about this week. Thanks as always for tuning into Sudden History. Check out our past episodes as well as the rest of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. I hope you enjoyed this wrestling season as much as I did. As always, I turn it over to Greg Jones. How the hell do I get off the stage? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.